welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about post-death emotional closure. How hard can it be? I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And this week on Forever Canon, we cover chapters 21 through 24 of Fate of the Jedi, Book 3, Abyss. The chapters where, oh my god, wouldn't you know, we're going to talk to some old friends in the Star <laughs> Wars universe. And I I know I've been I've said this like three episodes in a row, mm-hmm. but I've been waiting for this for yeah. since we started the podcast. I've been waiting for I didn't know it was chapter 22 of this book, but I was waiting you for You knew these it was moments. coming. Did not forget this from 10 years ago. Hard to shake. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But first, bum bum bum. Previously, on Forever Canon, Jag shows Dala an Imperial spy droid. Dala doesn't care. She called herself Abeloth. Secret Prison Break is actually surprise nut punch public vengeance. <laughs> Han and Leia are mad. And the Mandos make a move. That might be the first time we've ever laughed through the headlines of the news. <laughs> And not edited it out. Edited it out. Wow. Off of that whoop slippery slope there at the end of this. <laughs> off the rails. And on to that was last week. Yes. This week, we start with chapter 21. Not where I want to be yet. Chapter 21. Luke is traveling through alternate reality. Real reality. Ghost world. Yeah. yeah the spirit realm. He's traveling the spirit realm with the goat man and the skele boy. They're standing outside of the cave containing the hungry, needy woman. Important note, there is water blepping. Yeah, blip. The beginning of the, of, the, of the chapter, Troy says, water blepped from the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. And then there was another blep. <laughs> and I just was like, man, that's perfect. That's so, that that's so very like twenty twenty internet speak like yeah the noise of a dog licking its nose or something like do a boop like all that kind of shit <laughs> yeah but in two thousand eight or whatever I don't remember what year this was out yeah I don't know I forget all the details once I report them but Luke is traveling alternate dimensions and has come to this place with the Goat Man and the Skeleton Boy. He still doesn't understand how or why he's here, but Luke feels now this is the key to Jason's fall. Something here at the cave is going to be what he saw beyond shadows where he is. That's the official name. Mm-hmm. What uh, <laughs> official name? We're going to talk a lot about official names in this chapter and the next, but he says for sure. Something Jason saw in this cave was what flipped his switch, you know, and led him down the path to the dark side. So he's very excited to find out what that was because that's his whole mission. Yeah, and he still has no idea how long it's been. Right. Uh, He just knows that he's still alive. Because the hours move like minutes and the minutes move like years. Yeah. He's still alive because he's still in floaty world. Yeah, but... As we find out in the next chapter, actually, 
that's not evidence of being alive. No. no so, <laughs> Skelloboy tells Luke, inside the cave is, a, is the official name, Pool of Knowledge. And so many th- things here have like that Lord of the Rings, high fantasy, official brand name, mm-hmm. place and thing. You know? So the Skelloman tells Luke, bathe in the pool of knowledge, quote, where you will see all that has passed and all that is to come. No big deal. <laughs> Definite trap, Luke knows. Yeah. But he's gotta. So he goes to stare into what is a well of silver water. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like a, or like a, a silver basin with it's, water in it yeah it, well but he says specifically it's not a he expects it to be a shallow pool yeah but it's a very deep i don't remember the word that troy used it was a cr word it was a good one but anyways it's like a well mm-hmm. <laughs> and so i don't know whatever whatever it's it, silver shimmery reflective water in it and when luke peers over to see what's in it the first thing he sees is him old self Dried up, decayed, desiccated, old version, worn out version of himself. Yeah. Then, as if that wasn't not okay, then a tentacle hand reaches out to him from the silver whatever, and he walks away because it's an obvious trap. Yeah. I like this. Yeah, that's smart. Tentacles coming at you. And again... When he walks away from this obvious trap, the goat and bones men tell him, just like they did before, yeah, bro, Jason wasn't even tempted. <laughs> <laughs> you undeserving yeah, weakling. You know what I mean? It is hammered home to Luke so many times on this trip that he just doesn't compare to Jason. Yeah, in... In more, not so much in as far as power, but in strength of will. Yeah. Yes. And, ooh, that's a really good way to say it. And like the, the just the confidence of correctness. Yeah. You know, like just being so sure that he's right, which is, you know, a folly often of youth. Mm-hmm. And when Jason was here, what was he, 20 years old? 20, yeah, something years, like something, that. Something, something. Yeah. A younger man than he was when he uh, took over the galaxy. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but I just, I can't help but notice how many times it's shoved in Luke's face. Like, you're failing these tests by degrees more than Jason ever did. Not, And it was not even close. You know, they keep poking that home at him every time. Yeah. Which is so interesting because of the obviously antagonistic relationship that he had with Jason before he turned to the dark side even, right? Yeah. They were already not friends at the beginning of of Betrayal. Yeah, they were at very best. Well, he was that uncle that you didn't really want to talk to. Right. Yeah. Except... He was like the most powerful, influential man in the galaxy. And your boss. And you're better than him. Yeah. And you know it. And here it is being retroactively proven to us, the reader. Yeah. You know, at least at that time. 
And Im- imagine the difference between being 60 and being here with a purpose of discovery mm-hmm. um, of a specific thing, right? Versus being here at 23 and being on your own journey of discovery, not trying to follow someone else's footsteps where you have to second guess everything. Yeah. Did he, didn't he, should I, shouldn't I? And the whole time, it they don't really say it, but having your own failings in your in the yeah. back of your mind, like, I failed Jason doing this. How, Well, why? that's the impetus for the whole adventure. Yeah, the whole on, travel. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely always in the background. And then these guys are just poking fingers <laughs> at him in the foreground. And, you know, being completely unreliable with their information that they're giving out as well. So, you know, he turns away from that obvious trap. Good thing. But they tell him to go back. Don't touch anything. That's obvious. Just look again and think about and look for the official name, Throne of Balance, TM. Mm-hmm. And then it will appear to you and tell us what you see, right? That kind of thing. Does that sound familiar? The Throne of Balance? Does that sound familiar to any of our listeners or our, a reader across the couch? It featured pretty prominently in all of the visions that doomed Jason Solo and Luke Skywalker in the last series. Yeah, that pushed them to the positions they were at. Yeah. This vision of I I went I took betrayal off the shelf when I was reading this part just to look back at the first line, that first vision that Luke has to see if there was a throne in that one. There wasn't. The throne comes in later. But it's just a dark man in a dark hood and dark feelings yeah <laughs> you know but here he looks into the the well of silver water and he sees the tall red-headed woman at the center of the crowd she had tenel caused thin arcing brows and full-lipped mouth but her nose was her grandmother's small and not too long with just a hint of a button at the end alana so, as I said, if we want to flash back to the previous series, this is very intriguing. Mm-hmm. These are the visions that Jason was having towards the end of of the series, where I mean, the very end, just before he goes to battle against Jaina. Yeah, the last again, book, spoiler alert. Maybe two. I mean, he is all about convinced that he has been doing the right things and he's going to win this war because he sees his daughter in a vision of the future on a white throne surrounded by a mishmash of great alien people yeah and seeing as she is hapen that is very he's united the galaxy in his mind at that point right saved it yeah for her which was the whole purpose right and so Luke sees the exact same thing, which then raises the same question we had at the end of the last series. Did Jason do the right thing? Did he get what he wanted? Did he actually achieve peace? Because we'll get to other visions of the throne of balance, but like, you know, the course of actions that Jason took led to this future. Yep. Of Alana peacefully ruling, yeah, a, a 
multicultural galaxy. Yeah, as it is. The uh, the peace not in his end his end goal will be achieved. Peace not in his lifetime, obviously, but right. And I think we even debated at the time. I mean, it was an obvious theme of the ends ju- justifying the means. Mm-hmm. Is the process by which you attain the peace? That's the whole. That's a theme running through the entire series. The process by which you attain the peace or the power or the control. Is it good enough more morally to support that then ever after, you know, or is it going to crumble under the weight of its own guilt and previous failings on the way there? Yeah. But here he sees Alana on the throne and he's like, Oh God, I shouldn't even think that name. In case anybody figures out what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know how anybody couldn't tell. I mean, whatever. No, I can't believe that the population at large that would know about this child wouldn't be way more interested in where this kid just came from. Yeah. Uh, I, I Anybody that knows the history of Princess Leia be, mm-hmm. being given... given to a to a political family for shelter under a pseudonym and stuff wouldn't you just raise your eyebrows right off just your a little head? bit yeah and she was hidden for most of her life but still it's it's weird right if if somebody famous all of a sudden had a five-year-old well it's like a you would ask questions angelina jolie brad pitt move yeah and you're like seems unstable <laughs> then it all falls apart in the future but anyways back to this vision look how good the future is the problem is bone man and the goat devil tell luke that's not what jason saw they tell him jason saw a dark man in dark armor with dark friends on a golden throne. And according to the skeleton, only Jason ever saw the face behind the mask. And then what? Well, like we said, then he left to finish his training mm-hmm. to change what he had seen. His new motivation was to train and gain power in order to stop the future that he had foreseen. Yeah. To fix the universe. And he says it would probably kill him to do it. Now this is all really cool. It's very though retcon profit. Yeah. Because at no point in the last series is Jason talking about the horrible vision that he saw in the pool of knowledge when you know what I mean in the mo- like it's obviously never given specific details before that. The only thing we know about Jason's vision is not that it was from all this time ago during his sojourn across the stars, but the visions that we know about him having are from in the text in the series. Yeah. Happening currently in that story, right? So this is all a nice little bit of like real solid George Lucas retconning to make it really like prophetic and fantastical and uh, really quite incredible 
But not a word that I can remember from the last series about a face that he saw. No. There was talk of dark figures on thrones because that was the vague vision for most of the thing, for most of the series. And there was talk about that motivating him, you know, to take over the galaxy to create the future that he wants for his daughter. And so maybe, maybe that was, this was always the plan. Yeah. It could, maybe he just, it was, again, because it's not written, the the secrets, like, because he never re- recorded or properly wrote down his journey through the stars. True. So maybe that's a... Well, but, you know, on this nine book... <laughs> yeah, where we do get some insight into deep the dive Jason brain. into his perspective. Yeah. You'd think at one point he'd be like, I really got to make sure I stop that horrible thing that I saw happening in the future back when I was traveling. Just that base foundation, vague comment about it. Right. Yeah. Not, it wouldn't have to say golden throne. He wouldn't have to say the face in the, in the mask or whatever, but it's also very, uh, uh, very much alluding to the Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker jam from episode uh, episode five empire strikes back Mm -hmm. what's the scariest thing that you can see in the mask of evil your own face yeah right so i think we're left to assume that's what jason saw and then maybe he's attributing that future to his current weakness i'm not strong enough to uh Uh, that could be you know control the power that's that's gonna be given unto me or something like that but in the end in this novel in the text right now what does luke really learn in this in this peek into the pool in this chapter 21 what does he really learn about jason other than the dark figure golden throne thing but even that like can you trust that the visions are common and or or are they could is there a chance that this just everybody sees their own thing and it's not necessarily the true future? Yeah. You know what? Like what information did he actually get here? And and not not just all that, but he's been dealing with these people lying or trying to trap him or yeah. just omitting things. Being a very sneaky, sneaky he, sir. They could have just said, "Yeah, well, he saw a dark face and darkness." That's true, too, because this is, information isn't even coming from him. No. Although, I think Luke says like he can sense in the Force and they're, yeah, they're when they are or aren't being uh, deceptive. But I just, ha- I don't know, I wonder, leaving this chapter, what information did we get? Or did we just, as we find out in the next chapter, and we'll get to it immediately... Taking steps closer to getting better information. Yeah, going in the same direction. If if he's taking it in face value that that is what Jason saw, right? Then his steps, he can infer that his steps in doing what he did was to avoid that. Well, and so then, shouldn't the plan now be to leave? Because that's what Jason did. So yeah. chapter twenty-two. Starts with 
Ben have, uh, living a wild life, <laughs> yeah. having a hell of a time because he's going crazy. He's trying to take care of his dad, who is withering away to nothing. He's trying to keep Luke alive because, wink, surprise, the Gotal and the Given, the goat man and the skeleton, are dead. They have died in the time that they've been gone with Luke. So, like we alluded to earlier about, you know, Luke's assumption that uh, he must still be alive because Mm -hmm. he's still a distinct presence in the forest beyond shadow. Uh -uh! Nope. (laughs) Which is actually a nice little bit of foreshadowing for the upcoming events. Mm -hmm. You don't stop existing distinctly in the force when you die. No, that's actually something I haven't thought of until just now. And that's a deeper thing to maybe dig into at the end of this book review. But yeah, definitely put a mark in that for now. Whoa. For now, we'll keep going with the notes. (laughs) Luke's having not Luke. Ben is having a hard time. All the people, not all the people, those brother and sister, and actually all the people. He says there's lots of people coming and going still. They're all trying to starve him out, drink him out. I, I What are their names again? I want to say it's like Rhonda and Rondale or something. It was R- Rondi and, yeah, something fucking similar. They're, they're, they're very similar. Dorshan, Doran, <laughs> Mando. Yeah, oh, Mando, Mando, Mando. I am glad that they're back, though. Yeah, I, I've, I've liked Mandos for a very long time. Yeah, and I'm excited to get our specific, specific yeah. named <laughs> Mandalorians. <laughs> like Boba Fett and Mertigev. I want to see them specifically. But back to now. Ben is having a hard time keeping the people he wants alive and the people he doesn't want to kill from killing him. But he's got a plan now. And the plan goes as such. Weld the brother into a room. Weld the door shut and put a bomb on it. Handcuff the sister to the floor. What is this plan and how crazy is this kid right now? (laughs) He's so crazy right now. Because the level of concern that Ben is experiencing about how crazy he is, is high. Yeah, he's, he's shooting um like speakers on the wall so he doesn't have to hear the alarms. He's trying to not blow himself up while still trying to breathe. Yeah. So he puts a bomb on a door and locks a man in it, welds a man into it. <laughs> yep. Nah, uh, and then handcuffs the sister to the floor all as a uh, what do you what do you call that? Like a safety. It's a it's Yeah, like um fail safe. Yeah. This is his failsafe. Collateral. Because his plan is to go beyond shadows himself with the guidance of the sister. And the threat is, if I don't come back, we all die. If I die, we all die. Yep. That is very ruthless. Extremely. Not very Jedi-like. No. But, you know, he has his orders from his dad, which are, leave, if I die. (laughs) Go tell everybody all fucking crazy shit that's going on here. But 
Ben says, I mean, maybe what if I go crazy and I forget? Or what if they don't believe me because I'm crazy? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Yeah, there, right? there's nothing worse than, uh, than my dad dying other than his kid going nuts when he came back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How bad would that look for the Jedi on Coruscant? Yeah. He talks himself into disobeying his dad. And so Ben is led on his own trip, which he's way too young to be experiencing this psychedelic experience. But he has the lady guide and the lady guide, Rondi, that's definitely her name, brings Ben and herself to Luke and the two creeps. Now, not, not leaving. Instead of leaving like Jason did, they're overlooking a lake and our silver-eyed lady out there upon it. And Ben confirms the obvious. That's her. <laughs> that was her that we uh, followed in through the maw with the snake rodeo. <laughs> That's her <laughs> at shelter when I was two years old. That's her. That's it. That's the thing. Very obvious to the reader. But Ben plugs it all in for dad and everybody else. So, Ben and Luke casually wade out into the official title, Lake of Apparitions. Mm-hmm. Solid name. The fountain's name, by the way, was Font of Power. Yes, the Font of Power. Oh, I have them here, actually. That's uh, that's my next note, Tim. All right. All these classic high fantasy sort of naming tropes, naming devices. The font of power, the pool of knowledge. This one, which I already just said. The lake of the apparitions. The lake of apparitions. And coming up later, the, the, the mirror of remembrance. The depths of eternity, <laughs> yep. the mists of forgetfulness, it's all so, so fantasy, which again is obviously purposeful and it's meant, I think, to set the tone for how different this series is from other Star Wars that we've been used to. Yeah. As we talked about before, this is all very strange between you know the levels of inside outside threats and stuff like that but having like this god entity type of th this all-powerful being is very outside the range of normal star wars and what we get through the first three books is a lot of this sort of tropism when luke and ben are what would you say on the outskirts of the galaxy? Like they're outside the core. Yeah. And they're into all of this really weird high fantasy territory with, um, students battling each other at monk temples and, you know, all the other jazz that they've been going along with all along the way. is very much more fantasy than it is science. Yeah. Um, and I think that's on purpose to set the whole tone for the series. And then by the time we come to this, moments where we are discovering information about what this entity is and what it's been up to type of thing, we get really just inundated with this this fantasy name and nomenclature, right? 
Yeah. Font of power, the mirror of remembrance, the mists of forgetfulness. Yeah. And it is like, it's not, I don't know, it doesn't come across cheesy and stupid to me because it, I don't know, it's so specifically serving a purpose. Yeah, and, and that's, that's, one, there are, they're floating around in the spirit realm, force juice, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's very on point. Hey, the font of power. That is exactly what it is. It yeah. is a fountain of power. Yeah. The the pool of the knowledge of whatever. Forget. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very on point. Yeah, they are are all very pedantic in that way. Yeah. Like they're so literal. And it helps. Which is just that tone. Of yeah. Fa- of fantasy. And then that helps. You can say, okay, the mist of forgetfulness. And then you can talk about what they're experiencing. You don't have to explain or try and walk yeah. the reader into it. And you know what? Hey, man, that's actually a really fucking good point. Because that is a large part of the purpose that it serves is to be so self-descriptive that it doesn't require description. Mm-hmm. You know, you say it's shimmery silver water. It's the pool of knowledge. You know, <laughs> yeah. she's out here on a lake. Well, that's the lake of apparitions. And it already is so evocative that you understand inherently what it is without having to break the temperature of the scene or the flow of of the of the narrative without having to break that to explain what the fuck this yeah what it brand does. new stuff is yeah you know? very good point well thank you and speaking of all these proper names and and nomenclature of thing at this at this point when they're when they are uh, explaining the lake of apparitions or tell telling ben the name of it he says catchy names <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i was like that's a really nice use of like uh, uh the the uh the audience's voice yeah like let him be our voice in that moment yeah because where he's either <laughs> being sarcastic or not like it's good that's no that's really good catchy names so the lake of apparitions we wade into it the lake is full of faces just under the surface of the water it looks like reflections of what's on the the bank of the lake on the on the shore but when you look a little closer it's faces roughly 12 centimeters beneath the surface of the water it's uh it, it was so specific. yeah going back to the the fantasy thing in lord of the rings when they're going through the dead swamp or whatever and it's got all those dead elves yeah. and that floating underneath this is again yeah this is such a classic uh it's great i wish i had a, i wish i had ever thought to look up alternate words for trope you know i wish i had the foresight to uh arm myself with a little better fucking language for this conversation Uh, i don't know but it is so very much a a distinct fantasy trait there you go ha (laughs) (laughs) anyways it's another t word but you're getting there just under the surface a face slowly reveals itself and another and another in turn the first is ben sees anakin solo who he's only ever seen pictures of because of course anakin solo died 
some 15 years ago. Yeah. He floats his heroic solo face through the surface of the water and recognizes Uncle Luke right away. And they chat, and I try not to cry all the tears in all the galaxies because Luke thanks him for saving everyone. The thing that he's so guilty for, you know, sending his uh, his mission, sending his nephew on the mission that got him killed, you know, took a son away from his sister, a, a child out of their family. Mm-hmm. One of the most heart-wrenching failures of Luke's life. And he's still faced with an apparition of Anakin Solo's face coming out of the water. Mm-hmm. Thanks him. Yeah. For saving everything. Because that mission was the turning point in the Yuzhan Vong War. Yeah. And part of that turning point was his sacrifice, not just the victory. Part of that turning point was the solidification of everybody's I don't know will yeah or, or pointed everyone in the same direction yeah <laughs> and uh saved the entire galaxy so Luke thanks him and then Anakin so Anakin solo says don't cry <laughs> he says tell Tahiri I still love her hey fuck <laughs> <laughs> It was yeah. so hard reading this to not cry. Yeah, it's 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 a rough uh it's a rough section. Holy fucking fuck, Troy. He Just, did he did that to a couple of to us a couple times in the last series too. Yeah, and that's awesome. Yeah. I love being sad about <laughs> what's happening in the book. Like not bittersweet. So yeah. it's so bittersweet. I, I, he floats to the surface and he's, he says, you know, hey, uncle. <laughs> Luke gets to say thanks. He says, tell Tahiri I love her, you know? And it's just like, closure time. Yeah. Turn all of the swamps on. All the <laughs> dead nephews and every girl. Uh, clo- closure time. Though. Yeah. Because as we talked about last series, with Ben getting to see his ghost mom in the caves of Kavan. Real life, you don't get to interact with the people that you love and miss who have died. Mm -hmm. You don't get to come back from the dead and have a few more final words to say, tell Tahiri I love her. Ugh! Ugh! It hurts so bad because it's, you know, it's, 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 that is the fantasy, mm-hmm. you know, access to the afterlife. Yeah. And he gives, he tells Ben to, don't make my mistakes. Yeah. Learn, learn from me. Yeah. Or, I, I kind of sum that up a little oh, bit after perfect. this. Because a few steps on from Anakin Solo. <clears throat> Another face floats to the top. And Ben says, Mom? And I hurt so bad inside. Closure time. I am not ready. I'm not. I can't. I can't fucking do that. 
I can't read this and be okay to talk to. I forgot. I forget Anakin Solo, largely. Yeah. Um, because he died, and all the books I kept reading focused on the rest of his family. Yeah. Right? I loved Anakin Solo. And you don't get to say goodbye to the characters. Now, this is <laughs> a level of reflection of reality, like we were just talking about. You don't get to say goodbye to real people or say anything to them after death. Well, now let's step out of reality one level. Mm-hmm. And as a human reading about fictional characters that you love, you don't get to say goodbye to them either. No, because they're gone. Because they explode in a ball of light and save the universe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay? And so Ben says, Mom, and nope. Ow. Both... The conversation that they have with Mara, both Luke and Ben is just fucking gut-wrenching. Yeah, it's a really this this whole poignant. Yeah. Oh. This whole I got vocab. Lake is a very emotional heavy excursion. This is a this is where the trip goes bad. <laughs> <laughs> like this is so so heavy but so cool to be getting this narrative closure in bits and pieces like yeah. you know like uh, uh, some amount of it yeah because like you were saying the first full series that i read was the killick books anakin was gone mm-hmm. i i read right. one maybe two of the on vong war right and then you know and i liked him he was cool and then mara dies and you're like none of them got to say goodbye to her mm-hmm. she went off on her own and died in a cave in a hole where Jason Solo buried her. Yeah. Secretly. You don't get... You just don't get to. So she floats up to the surface. And the largest part of what she has to say is an echo of part of what Anakin had to say, which is stay away from her and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Don't stay here. Don't be hurt here. And don't go to her. Get out of here. Anakin says it. Mara says it. Not the place to be. She adds this little tidbit about the our silver-eyed lady. She's one of the old ones, Mara says. Hey, Tim. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> We've been talking about Celestials several times. Yep. Whatever that happens to be. They are the ones who directed the Killicks to build the Maw. Don't forget that. The question is why. And apparently the answer is this. Yeah. They they built the prison for this lady. She is the... She is one of the old ones. Would she be the... In uh, now's religion's terms, would she be Lucifer locked in hell? Potentially. Yeah. Depends on what the old ones are. Yeah. Because, yeah. But yeah, it is very it is very gods and angels like we talked about before. The, mm-hmm. the whole, I have to take a, a, a form that your puny mortal mind can comprehend. Yeah. To, 
You know, yeah, we went on a whole it is, thing. It is very angels, demons, gods, and devils. So maybe. But I, either way. I want to know. What? Yeah. Yeah. How much does that make you just want to read the rest of these books? Like that, the intrigue of this character alone, Abeloth, the silver-eyed tentacle lady of the Lake of Apparitions, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck she's doing out here, she is so intriguing that there's no way I'm not finding out what she is. Uh, there's no way I'm not finishing this story. You know, when you come around, obviously we're doing the podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, there's no way I have to fucking know Yeah, what she is and where she's from and what. And, I, and I'm and i sure the first time, because uh, this is my first time through, and it's really hard to not just burn through them. I'm sure the first yeah. time you went through them, you went through them yeah as fast as you could depending on release dates and stuff which is why only major things stick out yeah oh i couldn't wait to get to vistara i couldn't wait to get to avaloth and i couldn't wait to get to this lake of apparitions faces coming up out of the bog Mm -hmm. because i knew it was a chance to visit these dead characters one more time Hear what they have to say to the people that care the most about them. Maybe Anakin notwithstanding. But, you know, mm-hmm. people that love them. And people, hear what those people living have to say to the dead. Yeah. And not only <laughs> do Anakin and Mara agree on get the hell out of here. They also both offer personal advice. Anakin's conversation boils down to, hey, Ben, don't make my mistake and try to be the light for everyone. You have to be your own light in the universe, because if you are trying to be the light for everyone else, when you burn out, the darkness is that much greater because you're illuminating. You are the light for so many other people. Yeah. Be true to yourself and just be the light, be the goodness for yourself is the advice that he gets from Anakin. Mm-hmm. Mara's advice is that she is feeling badly in the afterlife. Yeah. Because of the way that she went after Jason. She went about things the wrong way. She went after him in a cold, calculated way. Not the Jedi way. Her message is that your actions matter more than the results. Yeah, don't lose yourself in the mission, basically. Don't do the wrong things to get the right result. Yeah. Just like we talked about the last series, right? But she's very, very... I don't know. It... it, it stings more coming from her because she's actively saying I'm suffering in the afterlife because of that. Mm -hmm. It's so it's not, it's not a verse from the Bible. Yeah. Saying do unto others as you would have done unto you. It's your mom coming back from the afterlife and saying, I'm hurting here because I did the right thing the wrong way. Don't. Yeah. How concrete is that advice? 
Yeah, you don't get much more, um, like uh, hard hitting. Like yeah, that that's got to be yeah, that's got to be the most pointed advice you could ever receive. I I don't know. I just it hurts my fucking ass. <laughs> so that's how bad my heart hurts. Uh-huh. All the way down to my ass. But they can't leave because Luke needs more answers about who the silver lady is. So regardless of the advice of do the right thing for the right reasons and be your own light and get the hell out of here. Yeah. Twice. Onward. Uh, yeah. Cause um, Rondi actually tries to turn him around and said, all right, that's enough. Let's go. So they carry on across the lake of apparitions towards the mists of forgetfulness and another face rises to the surface of the water and this is very interesting the way that this happens and it begs a question a face rises to the surface a yellow-eyed solo jason darth kytus of course Mm -hmm. a yellow-eyed button nose face rises to the surface but when Luke calls Jason the eyes turn to brown and his features soften yep his ghost changes based on the way that Luke addresses him yes what would happen if Ben would have spoke up and said Kytus because that was what he was thinking of saying. Yeah. How different would this apparition appear and how different would this conversation be? It probably would would have been a lot more of the Jason Kytus around the time of burning Kashyyyk to the ground. <laughs> right. Much more vitriol and venom yeah. and red-faced anger spit flying out of your lips yeah and who knows though and and the other question that begs though is how much can you influence the apparition that's appearing to you you know how much i don't how real is this yeah because that's been the question all the way through this psychedelic trip into I don't know another dimension yeah another dimension. Another I, I like dimension. thinking that they're like another dimension wrapped in the the force yeah like, the... because they are just pure force essences of themselves but I just man I the question is is there the whole time that he's doing all this stuff what how much of this is real and how much of this is reliable like we said about what the skeleton man said about what Jason saw and stuff like that but the face floats to the surface Luke calls Jason the eyes turn brown the lips come through the water and he speaks from the dead for the first time since his sister killed him and the first words that he says to Luke's Skywalker and Ben Skywalker when he sees them I won't ask your forgiveness 
Ah, that's my boy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind that one bit. No. Especially if, like we said, he won. He, you know, contrary to Mara's advice, and we'll ta- touch on something specific Jason says in a minute, but contrary to her advice, he changed the future to his daughter on a happy throne. You know what I mean? Yeah. Regardless of the way that he got there, but but, and but for now, uh, what? I wonder if these these force people, like I know I know Anakin knew Mindwalkers? knew oh, the apparitions. Yeah, knew knew Ben to look at him. So there must be some sort of. Afterlife um, awareness. Awareness of what is going on, what is happening, or maybe what is going to happen. And you know what? There must be because otherwise, how would a force ghost ever appear to somebody at the right time? Yeah. Like, use the force, Luke. <laughs> like, how would he know when? You just get that message in the middle of brushing your teeth one morning or something. <laughs> you're like, all right, I'll keep it in mind. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there must be some sort of temporal awareness of events. Because, yeah. Anakin floats to the top and he's like, oh, you must be Ben. You're a lot bigger than the last time I saw you or whatever. Like that kind of shit. Right? Yeah. But maybe it's just obvious because he's standing next to his dad who they probably look a lot alike. <laughs> that or. But I, I think you're onto something there, though. There, there, ha- there must be some sort of awareness for the spirits in the afterlife. And what if because the. Um, the pool of knowledge, right, is is just force energy. It's the force, right? These people are now a part of that. That's our answer for everything. Everything yeah. is the force. So these people are now a part of it. And Luke said it's too much for the mortal mind, but they're dead. So what if they they can go back and look? They can go forward and see what's gonna happen. Maybe Jason has can actually see go forward in time. I don't know if there's any evidence of that, but it's an interesting question. Yeah. Can he, what, what about, can he use his force powers of seeing the future as a ghost? (laughs) Because that solves that like right away. And then he can flow walk back in time if he needs to as a ghost. Nobody will ever see you. I don't know. Interesting. But this seems to be the only this seems to be the most reliable interaction that we get with force spirits mm-hmm. where like as much as it's in question, they are very purposefully appearing and I don't know the speaking coherently like it's an actual conversation. Yeah. It's not just vague. It's not esoteric. Yeah. Vague. And yeah. Vague. Like when Ben was trying to find like Mara's murderer. Right. And, and she's just like standing there as a grabbed ghost, her hair, grabbing her hair, pulling her hair out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is a full on conversation. She calls Luke farm boy. I think actually, I don't think she does. She calls him Skywalker. Skywalker. Yeah. She kinda, yeah. Oh, Jason though. They have a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Mind you, this is not Darth Kytus. Yeah. Because he, he says, Several things. One of which is that he left all of that anger and hatred behind before he died. Yeah, which we got to peek at. He says, the very first thing I'll repeat again, I won't ask your forgiveness. (laughs) I love it. I just love that. He does say, though, he forgives Jaina. 
Luke tells him about Alana on the White Throne, the the throne of balance, TM. Ben forgives Jason. And then closure time. (laughs) Like, again, we get our main characters get to say goodbye to main characters. Yeah. You know, Jason pops up. They exchange all this information. And he is being... antagonistically coy. Yeah. He, a a little bit of him is still, you know, being uh, like pushing buttons. Yeah. He's being the Jason from book one of legacy of the force. Yeah. Not the Jason before the Yuzhan Vong war, the Killick series, but the Jason who is just mad and standoffish with Luke Skywalker. Mm -hmm. But now he's also applying that to Ben. Not mad at Ben, but you know the the standoffish, yeah. the not really willing to uh, offer information type of thing. But this is that's the basic information that they exchange. Jason is very happy to hear about uh, Luke's vision of Alana on the throne, mm-hmm. but he doesn't tell Luke the face that he saw in his vision of the pool of knowledge. All he says is it wasn't you. Wasn't you. Luke pretends that's not a relief. Yeah. It is. And then Jason also mentions what eternity is like for him. He describes it in one word. Damnation. Yeah. Because as foreshadowed paragraphs earlier by Mara she is suffering for the consequences of her actions not the results Mm -hmm. and so how much must Jason Solo be suffering to have spread so much violence and terror and suffering to achieve his goal yeah and according to our two guides he knew that bad things were going to happen to him, but he was doing it anyway. I have to go get stronger. I have to stop this from happening and it will probably kill me. And how's the afterlife? Damnation. Yeah, it sucks. Here's a scary thing. I I noticed. Well, one more time. Closure time. Scary thing. I noticed. We're really tying up a lot of, emotional loose ends for the Skywalker boys here. Yes, we are. Aren't we? Yeah. Now, is this because Troy Denning is a magic prophet and he knew the end of the EU itself was coming? Or should we be scared for Luke and Ben Skywalker? And Luke more than Ben. As we've alluded to many times, other people have been alluding to the fragility of Luke Skywalker, the frailty of age, and the fact that he is over the hill and on the way out sooner than later. It started with his exile. It has been brought up so many times. Now, after having talked to Jason, and Jason being the only one at the end of their conversation 
who doesn't say you shouldn't be here, go away. He says, well, if you want to know who she is, just go talk to her. You got all the time in the world. And his face sinks back below the water. And Luke and Ben know it's time to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Because if Jason Solo's telling us to do it, if he's telling us we got all the time in the world, we're just about borked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Criffin borked. <laughs> yeah. So, it's time to head back to the shadow. To head on beyond shadows. To conclude maybe one of the greatest ever chapters in Star Wars writing. Yeah, this this was yeah. a great chapter. It was a long chapter, but it deserved it. And maybe it was only so great because of the previous emotional investment and all of these dead characters that we get to have one yeah. last conversation with, you know? Yeah, because if this was the first series you picked up, you know none you know of Luke. them. <laughs> you know Luke. You don't, yeah. You're like, oh, who are all these people? <laughs> Anakin Solo. <laughs> yeah, you don't know who Jason is. You might know Mara. Tell Tahiri I still love her. Who the fuck's that? <laughs> yeah. No, me? <laughs> yeah. Especially given the context of how badly... That was that was the the manipulative point was taking her back to visit Anakin right before he died. That's how much she, you know, thinks of him and how much mm-hmm. he means to her. Still reciprocated in the afterlife. Ah, closure time. I wonder if that would break her even more by going yeah, back and telling her. That. I don't know. Probably not. I think she's beyond breaking at this point. I think she's already been broken and she's already been at, she literally hit rock bottom with a nuclear bomb. That's true. She was ready to blow herself and everyone else up. And literally hit the bottom of the chasm. (laughs) Like you can't get physically or emotionally lower. I think she's beyond breaking. She's already been broken twice. Yeah, she's... She she's re- recovering now, although going to jail. But hey, man, Anakin still loves her. Mara still loves her Skywalker boys. And Jason, it's still Jason, still won. Yes, he did. He always knew that he would pay the price for the victory, and the price is eternal damnation. Now, to focus on that word one more time before we leave this chapter angels and demons gods and devils how many times have you ever heard the word damnation in star wars exactly yeah pretty unique pretty unique angle that we're taking in the in the universe right now you know yeah it's this series is taking a lot of different like cues from just different type, different genres and putting it together in a nice fiction. Yeah. Making and them a nice Star mix. Wars. And we've said so many times, like star Wars has always been fantasy, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, this is like stepping into a, a larger realm beyond. I don't know. Not, I don't want to say humans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, regular beings out into the realm of 
ancient eternal gods and damnation yes. for your ever living soul. It's just a it's it's a different flavor, and I fucking dig it. I'm I'm down with it for sure. Chapter twenty three. Han is contemplating how unfair it is that Alana has to grow up so fast, and how also unfair it was to his mostly dead kids. He's also very suspicious because all the pre-flight checks on the Falcon say optimal. And that's just not the Falcon. <laughs> There's always something wrong. <laughs> now, moving from all of the emotional weight of that last chapter, this is such a, a it's a it's a hot shot funny banter break. Yeah, you know we're gonna break break the hard emotion off and come into some some action comedy. Yeah, with. Han and, and Alana in the in the Millennium Falcon. Some 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 levity amongst the tears. Yeah. yeah. And so, real weird that the Falcon's all honey percent. That's not how she should be. Well, it turns out, Janik spent thirty six hours or thirty one <laughs> hours, whatever it was, putting the Falcon into perfect form as a way to apologize to her dad. And so. That just makes Han more mad. And then the six-year-old has to school him on how stupid all of that is. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's what you do with that, uh, with those two characters, right? He's the stubborn old man. She's the precocious, too wise for her age, young girl. And you show that by giving people simple emotional problems that she can solve for them. Yeah. That they're just being... Uh, just bullheaded about her or whatever. Yeah, being blunt. Uh, how is how is being mad helping? Well, I, I guess it's not really. <laughs> right. She specifically says, "So is being mad helping Jaina <laughs> or, or helping her realize what the danger she's in or whatever the hell?" Right. So the six year old says, "Enough of that shit. It's really stupid that you're mad at Jaina. Thanks, kid." And then they're off to meet up with Leia. This is post Mando fight, mm-hmm. pre crazy Jedi es- escape smuggling. Yeah, because it's time to do the plan. A plan so crazy that Han brought three bearables on board. They are so funny. Three <laughs> PO and R two. I think R two says like two things, but three PO in this scene. Hilarious. Yeah. Han and Alana, hilarious. The Bearables, hilarious. And I don't even know what they're laughing at. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, that's the joke in the thing, too. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, the nobody understands these do. lizard people. They're strange, but we love them. We don't really understand them or their humor, especially, but we love them. Yeah, because they're just laughing in the background over the mic. Sissing over, over being asked if they're ready. <laughs> Yeah. This one is always ready. <laughs> I don't know. I was I was cracking up. And it's the right it that's the other thing about this emotional shift and break. It didn't feel out of place at all. None of this felt disjointed. We went from I went from crying to laughing within paragraphs and didn't feel 
I don't know. Didn't feel off about it. Yeah. Didn't feel weird about it. You know, didn't feel forced about it. It just was very well naturally transitioned. I don't know how he did it. Yeah, I th- I think like I can't break it down. Like we uh, got the information that was necessary and that we needed from from the apparitions. Yeah, and then and you, we got into some other people, which well, which and there was a small lead up into the yeah. into because into the emotion. Yeah, and from the from the hard emotions into the into the laughing. Because there was the yeah, you have that transitional conversation yeah where, where we're he's, talking about emotions yeah he's in his head and he's also being mad being mad and he's also saying how unfair it is that Alana's got to grow up and he's got right. that it's the slow build to the to the laughter and I think the other part that helps too is that the emotionally heavy stuff from the last scene is more bittersweet than it is super sour yeah like it's not hurtful painful loss. It's like this bittersweet, temporary reunition. <laughs> yeah. Reunion. <laughs> Re- reunion. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, oh, God. It's amazing when smart people mess up their words. Because reunion is not a hard word. Guess what? When I came up with reunition, I was working from reunite. It was already <laughs> right there. <laughs> Anyways, we have this these instead of being like deaths or or painful splits or right or losses, mm-hmm. it's these just small compact conversation reunitions where we just get to talk to these people for a minute. We know they're not going to stay and we know that Luke and Ben can't stay either. You, it's all intrinsically understood that we're moving on from this once we're done with this, right? Mm-hmm. But the transition into this and then into just space cowboy comedy time, yeah, you know what I mean? It's, I don't know. It's, I feel like that should have been a harder transition than it was. <laughs> it was just so good. So stopping mad at Jaina, that's stupid. Thanks, kid. Time to do our triple bearable plan. We got to get off Coruscant. And we got to trick everyone else into paying attention to us and miss the ship with the crazy Jedis. Adorable grandpa, fake daughter banter as they fly is just about as good as it gets. Like I said, 3PO, funny. Yeah. Just, just we say I say it every time. He's funny every time he pops in the scenes, man. Some there's some comment about Han says something about ninety percent chance and three PO's like, well actually that's pretty good odds based on what normally what Master Solo says yeah. uh, that might be actually sixty seven percent based yeah, on his, yeah. his normal uh, whatever yeah inflation his, his inflation yeah <laughs> you know he's fucking funny man the plan is to fly away and draw as much attention as they can so Han uh, goes zero to a thousand miles an hour through all the sky lanes out into the atmosphere past. And we get like a, I'd never really thought of this before. How much shit there must be floating in orbit around Coruscant at all times. Constantly. Yeah. Our planet has hundreds of satellites floating around it. 
Maybe dozens? I might be really stupid. No, there's a lot. But there's a bunch of shit out there. There's a space station. And space We garbage. have a space station that floats above our planet. Yes, we do. Come on. <laughs> but we get, <laughs> we get lead out through the atmosphere in one of the rare times where it's not just like we're generally talking about there's traffic around. It's way more specific about they fly past a defense satellite, a defense platform satellite. And then, and then by a pharmaceutical manufacturing orbiter, and then a floating livable habitat ship. Like people live in f- apartment buildings above the planet too. Yeah, because it's so fucking full. I wonder if that counts towards their population. I would. I would too. If I lived up there, I'd be like, you, I, that's me. I live here. Uh-huh. Please. I need to be able to land here if I need, if something goes wrong. Here. Yeah. I'm definitely from Coruscant. Definitely from Coruscant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Got my ID. How much stuff there must be up there. And in this scene, Han uses it all to his advantage. Like I said, space cowboy time. Zips just past the edge of everything or dodges around it until eventually having to fake a spin out. And playing chicken with the big police ship. Yep. And then super big dick flexing on the police ship commander before jumping away to hyperspace. Yeah, he's like, oh, by the way, who are you? All the while, exchanging weapon locks with the police, almost smashing and everything, just putting a six-year-old's life in danger casually because he's the best pilot in the galaxy. Yeah. And, well... He makes the commander feel bad before he zips away. And so that's a new enemy for Han Solo. And wow. he's happy about it. Because he's just happy to be alive, to be still making enemies. Guy takes good care of his kids, though. <laughs> Fun flying chapter. Yeah. Chapter 24. Naked on a beach. <laughs> yep. Vistara knows she's got to kill her best friend slash Rival Master's Apprentice, Ari, because he ain't looking at her buns. And that means trouble <laughs> yeah. and betrayal. She's like, I know how hot I am. And I am wearing nothing. And he's not even looking at yeah, me. Yeah, he's purposefully not looking. So he's definitely going to kill me right now. <laughs> she gets out her knife, her glass knife to kill her best friend. And then... The tension, sexual or otherwise, <laughs> is uh, relieved of the situation. Just, you know, we keep getting these little reminders, though, of how ruthless these Sith are. Because, mm-hmm. don't fucking forget, despite whatever similarities we might see to the Jedi Order that they've built, don't forget, they're still bad guys. Yeah. You want to know how I know? Because they'll kill each other. It just... You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just, it's that blunt and that simple. Lots of reminders of that. But the tension in the scene is is relieved as here comes ship. Uh, to get back to last week's episode, the goal of them coming to the strange planet was to find ship and recover ship. Well, here he comes. Just in time. Just in time. Right when they need him. Because there are no more shuttles. From the ship up in orbit. They've all been destroyed. Which is a nice reflection. A nice mirroring. Of their original story. Their origin. 
Yeah. They got marooned on a planet on Kesh, and they were stranded there until they, you know, survived long enough to thrive. But here they are now, this smaller group of them, stranded on another alien planet with no shuttles from the ship above. No rescue to be had, but here comes Ship. And Ship obeys Vestara. He opens a ramp for Vestara. The Sith and Abeloth, all ready to climb aboard. But Vestara knows in her heart that Ship is faking it. Mm-hmm. He's pretending to follow her orders, but really still following Abeloth's orders. Because she's ready to go. It's time to go now. Yeah, we got no shuttles. We got ship. ship back. She says, we've got ship. You, the Sith, you Sith, you have your ship back. And now, instead of running home with one prize, it's time to go catch those Skywalkers. Come home with all the prizes. Hey, rival master, you'll be a lord. Hey, Vestara's master, you'll be the high lord. Right? Mm-hmm. Giving these people all these promises. Just, we're not going to go home yet. I want to leave here, too. Yeah, we'll get there. But we got to go get those Skywalkers, bro. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be such a special treat? (laughs) (laughs) You know, now that you successfully control ship again, it's just that easy. We'll go do it. Clearly, Vistara realizing she's not actually controlling ship. She realizes this is a trap. Yep. And so she risks her life by slapping the shit out of her master to pop some sense back in there. Yeah, it was that was good. And it was really a a good like it was a good argument, too. Like, you know, she had a a good logical argument. She's like, hey, you know how we don't have any shuttles left and you know how all those people keep dying? Hey, would you do that if you were doing the right thing? Yeah. And it's like, that's it. That's the slap in the face, the shock of disrespect of being even questioned, which you don't do that. They're ruthless, right? All of that is enough to bring her to her senses. Yeah. Because she even says, if you ever think I make, I made a mistake ever again, (laughs) it will be the last time. Never mind. Slap me in the face. You ever tell me I made a mistake again. I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. That's a little ridiculous, but they're ruthless Sith, Tim. Yeah. They're bad guys. Avalot says it's time to go get the Skywalkers, but Lady Rhea and Vestara come up with their own plan. When we all take this little crowded ride in ship to go get the Skywalkers, we will simply kill them and then take their ship We'll escape Abeloth, simply kill the Skywalkers, and take their ship. How hard can it be? How hard can it be? Something that becomes very apparent here in the scene is how badly Abeloth wants Luke and Ben. Mm -hmm. Why? Was it because... He touched that magic thing 
that that special uh, force amplifier, and she thinks he's just the most powerful thing in the galaxy. And now he's made himself a target of an ancient old one. That tentacle beast from the abyss. She, they, Lovecraft fuck. Those two um, of everyone that they've encountered, those two have been the only one to turn away from her. Ooh. She is all hunger and need and desire. And if you tell her no, much like being on the phone with Jason Solo, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're doomed. How hard can it be? Where is Zach? <laughs> Find out next week. Maybe. When we finish Fate of the Jedi, Book 3, Abyss, with chapters 25 through 27 and the epilogue. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. How hard can it be? For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.